Hello and welcome to Country Roads Confidential here at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casazzo welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, we have football at the end of the week. We're going to roll out a bunch of preview podcasts here to get you to Friday and the first preseason practice. And we're going to attempt to talk about the schedule first. We're going to do a string of these previews about strengths and weaknesses, position battles, state of the program. But we're going to start with schedule, which is perhaps dumb because this could be volatile. Explain them the high wire act we're doing here because we're recording this several days before it comes out because I was the genius who decided to take a rescheduled vacation the first week of August. (laughs) I think this is a ploy. You knew it all along. I I see right through you, but obviously we have a lot of things to, um, to consider here because West Virginia, the big 12, all of college football, uh, the early season stuff is up in the air, and, and the Big 12 has kind of punted on making a decision. So far, they had an opportunity to make it already. NCAA did as well, and they pushed it off, as Neil Brown has said, to wait as long as humanly possible to get as much information as possible before they make a decision. So um, I think, uh, you know, by the time we were recording, this and it could be bad by this afternoon it mama certainly could be bad within a couple weeks so um please give us some leeway here listeners please i think we're going to be good because our plan is to put this out on august 3rd i think that the next time that conferences are supposed to really um hit a gate so to speak and figure out what they do i think they have plans for monday august 3rd to do that that also happens to be the big 12's media day so it's entirely possible that they have everything sorted out before then because then you can give your coaches something to talk about. I don't think they want their coaches talking about TBD for 30-minute windows because that's one reason I think that they punted on putting the media day, what was it, last week, two weeks ago, right. um, and moved it back to the beginning of August because it didn't have an answer. So it's possible on or before Monday. Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we're gonna, we'll explain how we're going to do this, but um, I also don't fault anybody for a delay right now. Like, I'm mad that the people running this have waited so long to do certain things. And I've been over this before, but like there's a big difference to me between waiting this long, not to have a testing policy, waiting this long, not to figure out what's the threshold to postpone or cancel a game. A lot of it I understand is like, let's see how other leagues do this. That's a great idea, but you can be for some reason matching the results of the MLB against your public plan right now and letting good feedback come into shape it the right way. But we don't have anything. I'm told there's contingencies. That's great. But man, if you got to get 65 or 130 schools to quickly adapt to your contingencies, that's tough and endangers things. Makes me think that we're going to probably not start on time. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have their act together and we'll see. There's a difference between being mad about that and major decisions that are not made or unresolved or just in the wind right now. And the inactivity, the indecision with scheduling. Um, Not mad about that. I completely understand. I think you got to have as much runway as you can if you're going to have this season. Everybody wants to have this season, despite what people say. Sports writers aren't rooting against the season. At least these two aren't, right? So, hey, take all the time you need. If you got to pause the start, hey, do it. That means having football and bankrolling athletic departments and universities and giving kids scholarships a chance to play the game. Uh, not just in football, but in other sports, too. Hey, take all the time available to you. So I'm okay with that. It does make our podcasting here a little bit difficult. Um, as we sit here and record this, nothing has changed. West Virginia still has a September 5 game 
against Florida State, could change. Has a game against Eastern Kentucky, could change. Has a blank spot against TBD that could remain open, that could be addressed by a week zero or a week nine game. We'll see. But right now there's nothing there, no one there. And then you get into conference play. Um, so we're going to walk through what we have and what we know. We may talk about contingencies for week zero, for Eastern Kentucky, for the game in Atlanta, for the open weeks. But we can only work with what we have. So we will go through as the schedule is right now because that's the most likely safe landing for us by the time that people hear this. Calculated risk. But we are risk takers, correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say we both are. All right, let's step back. Non-conference play. Initially, an invitational game in Atlanta against Florida State looks awesome. It's supposed to be Dana Holgerson against Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher wanted to play his home team state. Um, coaches get itches. They want to scratch. They're both in different places now. Um, Eastern Kentucky is just a team. Nothing against them, but just a team on the schedule. And then Maryland's a cool regional rivalry to have. Um, I really like the non-conference schedule as it was intended. I like Maryland as a team that you play every so often. I don't have any problem with Eastern Kentucky. It's good for them. It's a bus ride. Help your regional neighbors out. That's cool. And then, hey, anytime you can play in Atlanta against one of the teams on that showcase weekend, that's fine. Make $4.25 million. Not going to happen this year, but well-intended the way they constructed the non-conference schedule. Yeah, I think that what's the ideal kind of three-game setup for non-conference Nowadays, I mean, I, I get nowadays not being 2020, but um, moving forward, you get the money game, the neutral site, big time money game. You get the regional rival that you play, and then you get the team that you are paying to come to your house and lose and make a few bucks as well. So I think uh, West Virginia had it set up perfectly. Would have been nice to keep that, but obviously that's not going to happen uh, anymore. I have two for you here. Um, okay. Let's start with this one. There's a good chance that the game in Atlanta doesn't happen mm-hmm. because they probably can't afford to pay the teams. That's just reality. And the CEO of the game has said that too. If there are no fans allowed, which is up to the local government, the decision makers there who are going to be informed by their health and safety officials. If they say, listen, you can't have fans, they're not going to play that game. I think there's an argument if they have anything less than half capacity that they might not have that game just because they can't afford to pay million. There are corporate sponsors attached to a lot of these preseason games, certainly bowl games. Do you sense you foresee this type of situation in jeopardy in the future? Because if the pandemic affects them financially, which has happened to a lot of businesses, corporations, small and large, they might not be able to pay and then dangle four plus million dollar paydays too early to know, or is it a legitimate concern? Or do you think these are, these days are numbered? Uh, I wouldn't say these days are numbered. I just think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of language in these contracts again. We've already noted that there's been some changes to uh, contracts, some additions that take this into account. Uh, was it the Robert Morris contract for West yep. Virginia, um, saying that you know, hey, we may not pay you, or you're not responsible for um, the, this amount of tickets if capacity is limited. So I think you'll see those in there because. In my eyes, that was kind of the future of non-conference play, where these neutral site games. And so I don't think that's going to stop. I just think they're going to have to kind of make sure there's some some legal mumbo jumbo in there to to keep everybody okay if, if things go sideways. Actually, part two to this question: 
do you have any problem playing Virginia as part of the plus one model that they've accepted, or is that just like not as attractive and you'd rather just go home and play a game that you schedule on your own? I mean, it's not as attractive, but uh, again, it, I would think that any money that they would pay for that, even, you know, like you said, not what 4.5 million, it won't be that no matter what. Um, it won't be, certainly won't be that if they are ending up playing UVA on a different day with limited capacity, but it's still probably going to be more than the money you'd make by heading home and trying to find someone to pay and set up a game that you can't even fill your own stadium. And it's going to be on more TVs and get more exposure. So I think um, it would still uh, be in West Virginia's best interest to make that happen. Second question. We are in the era of West Virginia scheduling where they're not only playing two FBS opponents, they're playing two power five opponents on a, pretty much on an annual basis. I think the one year at the ECU is the exception. And that's that, that game has no business being played. That's like a 12 year old contract that still hasn't been fulfilled because it's been um, pushed back so many times to make room for other games. But um, you have a hierarchy of home and home opponents that makes sense. Virginia tech, Pitt, Penn state, Maryland. Um, I'm not sure you would consider a Cincinnati. Maybe you would consider Louisville, but there are teams in the neighborhood that makes sense. If you have some history with where's Maryland. What do you mean, where's Maryland? Not on the schedule. But if you're going to put a team in there in the future, right? Right. They're on the schedule. Is it above Virginia Tech? Oh, oh in a would it be ranking above, of... Yeah, would mm. it be above a Louisville? Like, where would you put that in your uh, hierarchy of non-conference opponents? Certainly above Louisville. Uh, for West Virginia really? concern, I think, I think Virginia Tech is a bigger rival and a better game for... West Virginia than any of these outside of Penn State right now. I think Penn State would draw more eyeballs. I'm not, you know, obviously they haven't played in a long time. Uh, Pitt uh, would bring back that rivalry, but what's Pitt right now? How have they been the last few years? I don't know if that would bring a lot of um, respect for beating Pitt. Uh, kind of get a shrug your shoulders if you beat them. But Virginia Tech would be good. Louisville, yeah, I guess if you're taking in, into everything into account, I think rivalry-wise – Maryland's above Louisville, but as far as building your resume, it might be better to play Louisville than Maryland most years. I have a feeling if you turn Pitt into a clown college, that you would still have massive support for that game. You might have 72 to nothing games, but I think you'd still have full houses. Yeah. Not high on the Terrapins, though. Even with the coach. I mean, the other coach, I can understand. That guy was an idiot. But this guy's better, you think, right? He might get that thing humming in a couple of years, have a Big Ten team on the schedule um, in the future. Not bad. I would, I could, you could do worse for sure, especially when it comes to Power Five teams. Yeah, it's true. I, but how good he, I, 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 I've been taking some heat for the my Loxley takes because he's about as good of a recruiter as there is. But as much talent as he gets, he hasn't done it on the field. And I know it was. I, I'm one of the biggest proponents of Jimmy Jimmy's and Joe's instead of X's and O's, but he seems to, no matter how much talent he gets, whether it was his first stint at Maryland or when he went to was in New Mexico, has not excelled even with talent. Last year was not great, um, and they have you can't say this roster is depleted. It's not depleted. They are getting talent. They are getting better talent than a lot of other programs that do better than them. So. I have not bought into the Loxley hype 
as much as other as much as others, but maybe you give him a couple more years, maybe he can figure it out and maybe it's a better game, but I'd still think you'd get a little more um credit for beating Louisville at this point. He's six and forty as a head coach. Did you know that? I did know that. That's why I'm arguing right here. There was a there was a time in the winter of two thousand seven where he was a really popular name here. Uh, I, he did not interview. He was due to interview after the Fiesta Bowl. That obviously never happened. Um, but that was an name a lot of people said, man, love that Illinois offense. And, you know, he'd be a great guy to have because he seems like he's an up-and-comer. Stars faded a little bit, too. Uh, last one on non-conference. Of the teams we haven't mentioned that do make sense, uh, perhaps Louisville would be one. They're not on the schedule anytime soon. But are there guys in the region? I can think of one right off the top of my head. Are there schools in the region? That again are that that geographical footprint that makes sense that you would get on the schedule. I have two in mind, maybe three. Well, One's why don't you obvious. Go first, then. Why don't you go first, then? If you got all the answers. No, well, we have to say no. Kentucky be an obvious one, right? Yes, that was the very first one that popped in my mind. Right. All right, and then are we keeping this to Power Five? Uh, I would think so. Would you play Purdue? Hmm. No, I wouldn't. Okay. I, just, then, I, I think what are you what are you gaining by beating Purdue? I mean, I get that they're Big Ten, but when I say Purdue football to you, like what comes to mind? I mean, they haven't been bad. Um, they haven't been terrible. But I'm pro- I'm projecting that you're probably not going to play them before 2026, and I love their coach, man. Uh, I think that's going to be a pretty good program in a while. Like, I think it could compete for a Big Ten title if he stays there and does that. So I'm kind of investing in the fact that it's it's not too far geographically. It makes some sense. And you're investing in the fact that this might be a really good program in a couple of years. Right now, you, w- you wouldn't be falling over people to go and get tickets for a 2020 game unless you love Rondell Moore. But I wonder where they could be in, in six years, five years, whenever you might play a game like that. That's kind of what I'm thinking of here. Can- okay. Kentucky just makes sense because of the head coach and it's a border game and stuff like that. But I'm looking – a little bit into a crystal ball where I think Purdue could be good. Boy, uh, that's kind of a homer pick. If if I didn't know any better, I'd say you went to Purdue from Indiana something because <laughs> they have not been. I, I was trying to – I was about to say they they are really bad and it wasn't worth it. And then I thought, wait, weren't they good for a couple years and maybe I'm, I'm being too harsh here? I just went back and looked. One, oh, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the last time they had an eight-win season, last time they had an eight-win season was 2007. Mm-hmm. Was the last time they had, and they've only had two seven-win seasons during that time. And then my last one, I uh, I went through the two conferences that, that make the most sense. I just don't see anybody else in the Big Ten that does it for me. Like, we have Maryland. You have rained all over Purdue. I don't think Ohio State's happening, and you already have Penn State, so... I'm not interested in Rutgers again either. Like, that's done. That's not like bringing back Miami from the Big East days, right? <laughs> it's right. not the same thing at all. Um, and then I look at the ACC. We already have Tech. I don't sense a lot of excitement about Virginia. You already have Pittsburgh. You played NC State. I don't think Miami would happen. We talked about Louisville. So I didn't have one there. So I had to go back to the SEC. And, man, both sides, when it happened, were pumped about Tennessee. That would be the one I would think that could be worth pursuing in the future because it'd be a great road game for you, and then you're going to have no trouble with tickets for a season opening game. You did it at a neutral. Home and home would be pretty cool, I think. Uh, I don't know if I want to deal with Tennessee fans again, Mike. I might pass if that's all right with you. I think 
whatever it was that that Dana said something about joking about uh, the injury reports or hiding depth chart, uh, hiding the mm-hmm. depth chart. They're being serious about the depth chart. And I think I just tweeted his comments from the radio show, and it got picked up by Vol, Tw- uh, Vol Twitter, and my mentions were filled for weeks. I got invited onto like twenty different radio shows. Oh, gosh, in Tennessee, and it was just it was incessant and then obviously West Virginia came out and just whooped them and then it was just silence um and so I I I don't know (laughs) that would be a good but that's the kind of I guess that's what you're looking for though when you're talking college football you're looking for that kind of lack of a better word crazy you you want that so it was good and bad uh, and everything in between. So maybe that that's what you're looking for in college football. Yeah, I think Tennessee is more of your week one opponent. Purdue is more of like your week three opponent. Like let Purdue win some games. Like, oh, that stuff that people whispered about over the summer and then also on a podcast six years earlier. Eh, maybe that was true. Tennessee, if they're four and eight or if they're ten and two, they're going to carry the summer for you and make that game one really appealing. So that would work. Do you have any ideas now that you've passed the buck to me? Um, no, I mean, how much is there for UVA? For instance, like I know we've discussed that as a possibility in Atlanta, but it—it's a very milk toast program, don't you think? Right? Like I, I don't even know if there'd be like it's neighboring, and there was some fun with it in basketball, but I think that was because UVA is good in basketball. Um, even if Bronco Mendenhall kind of pick lifts them up a little bit, I don't even know if there'd be any like trash talking or anything i think it'd just be another game i don't even know if that'd be exciting am i wrong well virginia fans aren't going to make fun of west virginia fans sweater vests (laughs) and the west virginia fans aren't going to make fun of the virginia fans flannel tops so there's not a whole lot of common ground here um it's kind of a a a blue blood blue collar kind of a thing which might actually be a pretty good offseason billing too but they don't have much of a runway for that too by the way i'm thinking back to the tennessee thing and i remember that now their their roster online had no heights and no weights all summer. <laughs> like just had nothing. And the people were like, well, what are we like? You're watching film. You're like number 80 looks big. What's his deal? And there's no information for him online. You can't find it anywhere. So that did not make West Virginia very happy too. Uh, so if, um, if, if you had your brothers now, Chris, and, and you're in the room, would you prefer to play week zero, get a tune up for whomever in Atlanta? Um, would you play Virginia or would you say, thanks, but no thanks. We'll take our, our chance of scheduling a week one team with or without week zero. Would you fill the Maryland spot with anybody or would you maybe move somebody forward in the back of the schedule? There's a way you can play Oklahoma that week instead of Maryland, for example. Um, how would you deal with this gigantic cloud over the first month of the season? It's a lot, a, a couple moving parts, but I would try to move Eastern Kentucky up to week zero. I would let that be my warm-up game. I would try to get a couple more practices in, um, and then you go into Atlanta. If they switched it so that West Virginia was playing UVA instead of Florida State, I'd still play it. Like I said, Got you're to. still going to get you're still going to get more money than you would if you played at home. You're going to get more exposure. Um, UVA might actually be better for WVU uh, right now for for you know in week two, so I'm not opposed to it at all. And then. You kind of rained on my parade in the in the other podcast we did when I said move Iowa State from the final week up to was it the twelfth or the nineteenth I believe <clears throat> was originally an open weekend for Iowa State but literally twenty minutes before we just 
discussed that on the podcast, Iowa State announced that they had uh, scheduled a game with Ball State for that weekend. So that can't really happen. But you mentioned Oklahoma, you could move up. Boy, that'd be kind of tough to play them early in the season, but maybe maybe it's better. Maybe you want to play Oklahoma that, that still has a, a new quarterback early in the year. And then even mm-hmm. if you even if you get beat badly by what many perceive to be the best team in the Big 12, that happens early. You get it over with and then and then you kind of go it's not going to get any more difficult from there and, and take that approach. So I don't like I like that actually. You, you want to know a theory that someone told me here? Um this is this is pretty cool actually. If you can get good teams in the fourth week or or in the first four weeks or just keep an eye on the first four weeks of the season, you might have a rash of guys who just aren't eligible to play the first four weeks of the season for whatever reason. I'm not projecting any behavior on anybody, but it's possible that some people are out for four games at the start of the season because you know when the the cat's away, so to speak. You have kids have been off campus, um, their behavior, their academics. Who knows where they're pointed? There's a chance. Who knows? And then more importantly, too, um, you get people on campus, not just football teams, but students, and you have them intermingling or whatever. Who knows at what strength those rosters are going to be? You're going to have a much better way um, to understand data and information and behaviors and how to control it in the latter part of the season than you will in the first part of the season. So there is some sort of a method and madness involved with the first four weeks of the season and how good, how deep, how developed rosters are going to be. Tinfoil. I understand, but like, man, that's the way people think right now. It kind of amazes me, but it's not a bad idea, right? No, I think I I, I agree with everything you just said, and, and even before all of those, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> even my before all of those other uh, aspects there that you're mentioning, the guys getting in trouble, the potential for you know players being placed on quarantine. I, I do believe there'll be a higher percentage of players placed on quarantine earlier in the year than later because for the reasons you just mentioned that guys are going to be um, intermingling with students that are just getting back to campus in most places but even before all that you typically want to play teams earlier in the year the better teams earlier in the year to try to catch them off guard or catch them while they're still adapting so yeah definitely I mean if you can move Oklahoma up play them week three whatever week four do it absolutely do it and and get it out of the way yeah i love playing week zero if it's against somebody not eastern kentucky that's fine with me i really think it's a part it's important to start and give yourself a net at the end of the season so that's okay with me there's a talk there's talk about maybe playing as deep as december 12th west virginia's last game right now is currently scheduled for friday november 27th so you're talking an extra two full weeks of season that's not bad um but i love week zero i just think it makes sense you can schedule a win you can get somebody you can get a home game that's fine Ideally, Eastern Kentucky. The problem there is that if you don't get Eastern Kentucky in week one and Chick-fil-A makes you take the payday by playing September 7th, then you got to play September 12th against Eastern against somebody to fill that Eastern Kentucky spot unless you keep that blank. But then you run a risk of keeping the 12th and 19th blank. It's a puzzle. And even if you move Oklahoma from November 7th to September 19th, then you're going to have October 31 and November 7th off. So you don't want that much open space. But then again, it might be smart to create two open weeks because let's just say TCU in a well, one time a hotspot in the country, um, Dallas had bad numbers. Let's just say they can't play on the 10th. Hey, we can play on the 31st. Um, now you've got a spot in your schedule that you kept open. You can do that. Similar Texas. Maybe you can't play the 17th. We can play November 7th. Maybe you can do something like that. I have to look at those schedules and make sure they have spots. I should have done my homework there, but um, maybe you want to be more efficient and not have back-to-back open weeks, maybe having back-to-back open weeks isn't necessarily a bad idea. It kind of creates some flexibility for 
for you and for others. So, man, um, what a what a puzzle to try to solve without any type of guidance right now. You're working on 10, 12 different contingencies, and it's going to come down to one. And hopefully you have a plan that's well-developed to go forward from there. Um, let's go to conference play. And let me just ask you this. If they stick with playing football in 2020, what is the percentage likelihood that the order of conference games does not change? Never mind, not, not the dates necessarily. Because maybe you just say, listen, we're going to start conference play on October 10th and just back everything up because you have those two weeks to use. Um, do you worry about things being jumbled or do you think that the order of games we have right now is how it's going to be because that just makes the most sense for continuity? Um, I actually think there's very little chance it sticks in the same order because I think there's going to be a couple open weeks and they're going to be moving things around. I mean, we've already seen it with baseball again, you know, the Marlins, like they've already had to cancel a whole week of games post or postpone them, not cancel them, postpone them and move schedules around. So uh, college football needs to be prepared for the same thing and, and know that they are likely going to have to do the same thing. So you picked at a schedule, right? For WVU? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, peak again, but what stands out to you? A date, an opponent, a pattern, anything? Because I have a few that jump out to me. Uh, the early finish stood out to me. You know, finishing yeah. at Iowa State on November 27th. That's the day after Thanksgiving. Um, that last four games, I mean, I'm not sure it can get much tougher. <laughs> no, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, Baylor, and then at Iowa State, that's brutal. And I feel like we say this every year that West Virginia just has a brutal back end of their schedule or you know, the late October, early November games are just horribly hard and and we documented before what was it october that that dana had a really hard time in over his last few years or, or the oh no no excuse me the record after halloween was just horrid right. um i don't think that trend's going to change much this year because that is a brutal last four games here's one for you go um home kansas state at Texas Tech, home TCU, at Texas, home Kansas, off, home Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, home Baylor, at Iowa State. Every other game is a road game. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, that's a bummer because you'd like to get some momentum and play like two in a row at home. It's cool if you want to play two in a row on the road because that's tough. But like, you know, you beat a good team on the road and you have back-to-back home games. That's awesome. You can't do that. Well, there's a chance here, though. Um, yeah, they alternate, but there's that one home blank home 24th of october 31st 7th of november kansas off oklahoma um they're gonna be home from the night of october 17th until friday november 13th that's darn near a month at home um that's pretty great pretty rare in college football because they get a little bit of a benefit with a home game but they are an off week but they have back-to-back home games um and again who knows against texas you know you might not win that one but you should be kansas at home you're off and then you get a ton of time to get ready for Oklahoma. Uh, that's a sweet spot in the schedule. Uh, a bad opponent, a good opponent, in you know, not a quick turnaround either. So you have time to get ready. But you know, if you lose Texas, hey, rebound Kansas, lick your wounds, take a week off, and get ready for Oklahoma. Um, that's a pivot point in the season. Some type of a hinge where you could save yourself um, from a certain fate, or you could realign yourself, or you could really redirect yourself toward a higher finish in the conference. I like that spot. That's a vulnerable position, but it's also perhaps a fortuitous position too. Not too shabby. Um, 
where else was I looking? I was trying to see. I also like the, and it's something that, well, we'll see what happens with the Friday after Thanksgiving. The no midweek games. Um, I know we. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know a lot of people loved the Thursday night games because of the mm-hmm. exposure and how it, you basically get national television yourself. But it really throws a wrench in the schedule, in the practice schedule, in the preparation schedule. And sometimes it kind of works out where you get a week and a half. Uh, you know, like the it, the Thursday game comes after a bye week. But the Thursday games are always an issue for recruiting, for practice time, for recovery time. So to see West Virginia not have those this year, uh, I know it sounds crazy or it's not what most people think of, but it's it's a positive. Do you like opening the way they do? It's it's I don't want to say it's soft, but like you and I don't think Kansas State's going to be very good. Uh, I think there's a general doubt about Texas Tech, and then TCU. Who knows? But that hasn't been a great road team when they're coming to town. That's your three before you get Texas on the road, but. I don't know that you could ask for a softer start. Maybe you flip Kansas for TCU perhaps, but you're talking about how ferocious that finish is. You're right. Conversely, that beginning is, I mean, I'm not a guy who likes to jump in the pool. I like to tiptoe in and ease myself in because the water makes me shiver sometimes. Uh, that seems like a fair analogy. Like just get in, get comfortable and see what you're made of. Yeah. What were we talking about just a few minutes ago? Get the, get the hard teams out of the way first and, and then, and then get into the easier teams later. But West Virginia's schedule is the exact opposite of that. I'll leave you with this. This is some intrepid research. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to read you the opponent that West Virginia plays, and then I'm going to read you the opponent they played before, and you tell me what this means. West Virginia plays Kansas State after Kansas State plays Vanderbilt. Non-conference SEC team. Usually pretty tough. Not a fun team to play. They're not great, but Vanderbilt's not fun to play. Uh, West Virginia plays Texas Tech after Texas Tech plays at Iowa State. West Virginia plays host to TCU after TCU plays Oklahoma State. West Virginia plays at Texas after the Red River game against Oklahoma. West Virginia plays Kansas after Kansas plays Oklahoma State. West Virginia plays Oklahoma after a bye, and then while West Virginia is on bye, Oklahoma plays TCU. TCU gives Oklahoma trouble. Doesn't always beat them, but always gives them trouble. West Virginia plays Oklahoma State after Oklahoma State plays Baylor. West Virginia plays Baylor after Baylor plays Iowa State. West Virginia plays Iowa State after Iowa State plays Texas. What picture have I just painted for you? You just painted a picture of a bunch of teams that have a very tough game right before they play West Virginia. Very tough. I didn't know it was you. I, I, you mentioned it to, not to give away too much of the behind the scenes. You mentioned you were you're going to bring up this point before the podcast. I didn't recall you, you you saying every single team, like every team, has this. Every team has a tough game before they play West Virginia. Every the, single one. Holy cow! The, the picture I painted is a Van Gogh because it's people missing body parts, probably. <laughs> yeah, like you're going to see some of these teams limping at the end of the year that are like, oh my god, I just played Texas. Now I got to play West Virginia. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's not what you want. Like, it's it's unavoidable. You're going to play good teams before you play another team. But it's a coincidence to me um, that every team that West Virginia plays has a tough one before that. And a lot of them are on the road before they play at West Virginia. So sometimes it's back-to-back games. Um, 
you know, it, that's that's very tricky. And we looked at this before. There's been times in the past where I don't remember the year, but I remember Holgerson wasn't happy about it. But like five of the nine Big 12 opponents had a bye week the week before they played West Virginia. Um, I think one year West Virginia had three back to back Big 12 games or maybe like it was two and then two others were separated by a, a, an open week or it was three in a row. So there's been some conspicuous scheduling things that have definitely conspired against West Virginia. This is either payback or it's a heck of a coincidence. But I, I think if you look at the schedule and you say, man, some teams are going to pay a toll before they have to pay West Virginia. That's, that's gotta be worth something, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, was that a tinfoil hat moment for you right there? Mike, it, it, it just struck me. It's something I do every year. And just look at like, okay, what are they doing? And like, sometimes they'll find patterns like, oh man, the four or five of the teams have an open week the week before. Oh man, you know, actually for whatever reason, West Virginia has played Oklahoma or Texas after the Red River game. I want to say at least a couple of years in a row. And that's good. Hasn't mattered necessarily. I think they've gotten spanked by Oklahoma once and lost to Texas three years ago, I think, right? Mm-hmm. The Will Greer game. Anyways. You look at these things and these patterns, and as I was going down the list, I was like, hold on, start over. It's never this type of good news for the for the team that I cover. And I went back and looked at it, and again, Vanderbilt's probably the softest opponent in there. Um, Kansas, I'm trying to think who Kansas played before. Did they pop up? Oh, yeah, you don't need help with Kansas probably. But again, Kansas playing Oklahoma State the week before. That could be as dangerous an offensive team in the country, never mind the Big 12. Probably going to leave a mark um, on the team in blue when they – come to West Virginia a week later, are they going to be as confident, as able, as healthy to defend West Virginia? I don't know. The other part of that is, too, that you play all those tough teams, you win or you do well, West Virginia suddenly isn't as difficult, isn't as challenging. It's not as much of an ask because you played such a tough team before that. So it could go both ways, but it's impossible to notice that that type of pattern exists. And it's also impossible to ignore that it could be good for a team that, like everybody else, is going to need help, is going to need advantages this year. That's a good one to have. Translation, Michael Saza's picking the over, folks. Go ahead and place your bets now. <laughs> he's the gambling man. He said it earlier, and I think that's what he's hitting at. Cashing out my Robin Hood, going right back into DraftKings. <laughs> so uh, well, we are on schedule here for the rest of the week, leading you up until Friday in the first practice. This is part one. Three more coming. We'll wrap it up for now. So until next time, I am Mike Saza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you later.